Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to OCA's Asia Town Voice. We're an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans' community, culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. OCA's Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. To you. Yes, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen? DJ Alexicon is joining us from Chicago today. How are you, Alex? I have arisen, or risen, whatever. Rose? Like, I have uh, rose risen? Risen? Risen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a time. Easter just passed, so I guess it's time that you return to the show for a little bit and co-host with That's us. That's right. I was hoping to keep the Chicago uh, a little secret, but uh, I guess the uh -huh. cat is out of the bag. All knew you were in Chicago. I mean, come on. Well, you, you told us on air, right? That's right. <laughs> Many months ago, last year. So we'll talk to you a little bit about Chicago at the end of this, this uh, interview. And today I want to introduce two very special guests. We have Sujata and her daughter, Shriya. They both do uh, Indian traditional dance, and they're here to tell us a little bit uh, about themselves. So Sujata, um, can you give us like a brief bio about yourself, when you came to Cleveland, um, your favorite things about Cleveland, or any short stories you might have? Oh, um, let me first thank you all for inviting me and my daughter to share uh, our art and anything about uh, our career here um, over this talk show. And um, I came here 25 years ago. Um, I settled um, in uh, strong. I'm settled here in Strongsville, and I have been teaching, performing uh, Bharatanatyam, an Indian classical dance form, which is a very ancient dance form, roughly about uh, dating back to 2000 BC. Uh, yeah, it's pretty ancient and it is a temple art form which uh, went through a lot of uh, changes and it's now a very, very popular stage art form done globally and uh, you can find it is one of the most popular and well-performed art form from India mm -hmm. and uh, several people of different origins, not only Indian but also um, you know, any uh, different nations, uh, people perform and also teach. And I have been um, teaching here in this community for the past uh, 25 years, as I said. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a pretty um, l a good experience for me teaching and learning about my art form in a different country. And there have been instances when I have shared this with uh, uh, totally uh, non-Indian um community and i have gotten very well um i mean gotten beautiful um appreciation for this art form and also i take it to different uh, schools in northeast ohio mm -hmm. and I teach as part of young audiences now called center for arts inspired learning mm. oh, i so love doing you know yeah. megan thompson i might know her the name sounds familiar so i yes I teach, I teach in the schools as part of curriculum art education. Mm -hmm. So that has also been a very wonderful experience. And uh, also taking part in a uh, lot of these uh, diversity shows where we exchange this art form with and share this art form with um, other artists of different countries. That has also been a very beautiful experience for me. So uh, how did you... Where did you learn this style of dance and what inspired you the most about it? I learned it back home in India under great gurus and um, started learning it when I was uh, six years old. And uh, my parents introduced me to this art form. And uh, inspiration came from looking at other great dancers. And my mom herself wanted to learn but could not. So she was the motivating factor for me. Mm -hmm. And she made sure that um, I learned the art under eminent gurus and uh, uh, groomed me into a very beautiful dancer. So that's where I learned it back home in India in my state, Tamil Nadu. All right. Um, so your, your daughter, Shriya, is also on, on this interview. So what about you, Shriya? 
I mean, I'm, Hi, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you started learning because your mother uh, is a professional in this area. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your story. Yeah, sure. So, um, again, thanks for having me on this show. It's, it's an honor. Um, I'm currently a PhD student in medical engineering in Boston mm -hmm. at Harvard and MIT's wow. joint program. Wow. Um, but wow. I started learning both Bharatanatyam and Carnatic vocal music at a very young age, like you mentioned, from my mother. And um, Bharatanatyam, of course, is the dance form, and Carnatic vocal music is the South Indian classical music form that accompanies it. And these were both like a big integral part of my childhood and the way um, I grew up and found my roots and learned how to assimilate both Indian culture with my American environment. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, it's been great knowing these. Not only are they beautiful art forms and wonderful ways to exercise my body and my mind, but they've also given me a sense of who I am and um, a, an outlet to reach society and serve society um, over the years. So, have you studied in India as well, or did you learn mostly with your mother? I learned dancing um, entirely from my mother, mm -hmm. and music I learned initially from my mother and then went to a couple other gurus in the local area as well as one in Detroit. Um, I currently study with Srimadhar Arsinder who lives in Detroit. Over the summers I had taken some um, classes and advanced training from gurus in India, mm -hmm. but primarily my education has been in this country. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, you mentioned that you do uh, some of the music as well? Mm -hmm, that's right. What are the uh, names of, of the instruments? Um, so I, I'm just the vocalist, I just sing. Um, but the instruments that traditionally accompany uh, Bharatanatyam involve a drum, which is called a mridangam. It's a two-sided drum. Uh, there is something called the natvangam, or the cymbals, which keeps the tempo and the beat. And the person that does the natvangam is, uh, is like the director of the orchestra and holds the whole group together. There's also a violin and a flute that will accompany and provide melody. And some other instruments like a vene um, can also be used. That's like a, it's a similar instrument to the sitar. It's a stringed instrument. So do uh, either one of you have any uh, cute or maybe slightly embarrassing stories about your journey on becoming great dancers? Uh -huh. mm, <laughs> okay, yeah. nothing too embarrassing, but I will think about it. Yeah, um, not nothing pops into my head, but yeah. I so, have a question uh, for Shreya. Okay. Uh, Shreya, you said you studied uh, Indian dancing. Do you are you interested in are you interested in other forms of of dancing, or are you influenced by other forms of dancing, or are you just purely focusing on Indian dancing? Uh, for the most part, I have just focused on Indian dancing. I do enjoy watching other forms of style. And um, I have a little experience doing salsa dancing, but for the most part, I just stick to stick to the Indian dancing. Um, Shreya, there was some, there's a lot of background noise, so I don't think we got your answer clearly. Sure, I can repeat that. So for the most part, I've stuck to the Indian dancing. Um, and I enjoy watching other styles and other types of dancing, but I really haven't had much experience actually performing or practicing any other styles. Would you, uh, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. DJ Alexica? Yes. Um, so are you thinking of doing a fusion dance in the future? Because a lot of Indian dances have intricate movements. And I was thinking maybe you should do a, uh, a fusion dance of some kind, combining everything that you've learned. Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea to collaborate with other people that know other styles. Um, but as for me, I think fusion is a very big category, and I think it takes a lot of skill to accurately portray two styles without just confusing and coming up with something that's not very homogenous. Um, so I tend to stick to a very classical perspective, but I'm all up for collaborating with others in different styles. So this yeah. next question could be for Sujata or Shreya. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, can yeah. I, if you don't mind, can I add? I have uh, collaborated and uh, uh, performed with ballet dancers Ooh. of the Ohio Ballet mm -hmm. way oh. uh, some tw yeah, 20 years back. 
when they brought in Jungle Book just to introduce uh, the show. Before that, we had an introduction to Bharatanatyam because that was a collaboration between Ohio Ballet and another great dance school, the Dhananjayans Bharatakalanjali from India. So when they brought that dance form, we had an introductory dance before that. Hello? Yes. Yeah, okay. I got yeah. that. I, 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 it's, uh, I'm fascinated so, by what um, you yeah. yeah, yeah. We're just being quiet so that we can hear you clearly. <laughs> sure. So what we did was contrasts and comparisons between ballet and Bharatanatyam. And it was very interesting to see that um, the history behind both the dance forms were a little bit similar because they both the dance forms had some connection with the uh, kings who patronized them. And also uh, the way they were developed uh, in society, uh, especially by women, and then how um, it slowly came to the stage art form um, was a very interesting journey we took with them. Mm -hmm. And I have, uh, in terms of collaboration, I recently did a collaboration not with a dancer, but with um, two artists from different genres. One was a Native American storyteller. Uh, her name was Robin Peace. And uh, another collaborator was um, uh, Fasi, Mama Fasi, who was an African drummer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I combined, I we performed uh, to an American, Native American tale about war and peace. And Shriya scored the music, and we recently did it uh, at the Severance Hall for Martin Luther King Day. Aww. Yeah, that was a very interesting collaboration because uh, we tried to combine multicultural, uh, multinational uh, dance forms and arts and it, uh, it was a very beautiful experience because what happened during the process of creating that show uh, was something uh, that I will remember for a long time. Wow. I think it was really exciting to see how um, all the art forms could come together and seamlessly tell a tale mm -hmm. and how, you know, all the arts were just a language to portray any common theme that there were between the cultures and all these themes are, of course, universal. So it was a very interesting experience. It's really great for Cleveland, too. I think a lot of people overlook exactly how diverse the city is. And, I mean, are, are you guys going to be doing this collaboration anytime in the near future, possibly, maybe? We are working towards it. Uh, it has not, um, I mean, it's not there where we have found another date for it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm sure we will try to do it uh, sometime in the near future. So what are some of the challenges in the technique um, for learning your style of dance? And... You know, I, I Googled it, and let me see. Is it spelled B-H-A-R-A-T-A-N-A-T-Y-A-M? Right. Oh, my goodness. Can you pronounce that again? Bharatanatyam. Wow. Bharatanatyam. Right, <laughs> That's pretty amazing. If I can, uh, it's actually sometimes uh, easier to understand it because uh, there are two ways of looking at uh, that word. Mm -hmm. One explanation is Bharatanatyam, mm -hmm. the origin of the dance form dates back to a sage who learnt it from Lord Shiva. His name was Bharata. Mm -hmm. And Natyam, the word Natya means to dance. So it's a combination of that. Or the second way to look at it is Bha-ra-ta. Bha stands for Bhava or expression. Ra, R-A stands for Raga or melody. And Ta stands for Thala or rhythm. Natya stands for dance. So a dance form, which is a combination of music, rhythm, and expression through storytelling, uh, through gestures and uh, facial expressions, that's that's what com comprises the entire dance form. Wow. And yeah, and the uniqueness lies in the fact that um, we use um, elaborate storytelling, st sorry, elaborate gestures and uh, facial expressions to convey a story. Mm -hmm. I do remember seeing um, some of your students perform and you know it's usually the Cleveland Asian Festival and I really wish one of these days I'm not running around I can actually sit down and appreciate it but their eyes they have so much life in them it's like I don't know like if, if they looked right at me I would probably be frozen in place 
Mm-hmm. Um, is that a, is that a challenge for you to teach your students to emote at that level? Um, it it is a challenge in terms of um, uh, teaching them because uh, from the point of view of a teacher, we are removed from the natural surroundings in which the dance form exists. Mm-hmm. So we are in an alien country, and I'm trying to recreate for them the scenario of the dance song or the story behind it, which the student might not be familiar with at all. Mm-hmm. So I become a combination of a storyteller and a teacher and a um, person who mimes and brings the whole scenario to them to make sure that they emote. It takes um, uh, a good amount of years for a student, at least about five to six years for them to understand and uh, how to use their facial expressions and hand gestures to convey a story. I, I agree with that one. I've seen a lot of um, Indian oh, dance. Oh, Alex, you don't dance. <laughs> I don't, but I have uh, seen a lot of performances, especially when I was working at uh, Progressive, and we have a huge Indian community there at yeah. the insurance company. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the facial expressions compared to other dances. Other dances don't have as much facial expressions, but mm-hmm. with Indian dances, it seems that there is. Mm-hmm. And you're right that if you're teaching young students who were born in the U.S., they wouldn't understand or, or feel the uh, cultural connection unless they are they were born in India or they grew up in that country. Right. right. You're absolutely right. I think Bharatanatyam has a high emphasis on the storytelling in mime aspect. It's almost theatrical in one way, um, which is what makes it very unique and very entertaining. Um, and at the same time, the fact that it has such a cultural tie, I think, was an advantage for me in terms of like learning about my culture. And, you know, you can just use the art form to get such a grasp on the um, culture of India. Yeah. And then uh, the teacher takes you to a deeper level and trying to explain to you how it was and how the emotion would be if you were actually in that place. I think I, I get it because... Um, I could relate to it. Even I think Yin can relate to it because both of us were not born here in the U.S. Well, DJ Lexicon, I was going to ask you specifically about last year because last year in the Cleveland Asian Festival schedule, we were having some people teach you how to do a Bollywood dance. And as I recall, you tried to back out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I love Bollywood dancing because I watch a lot of Bollywood movies and I try to imitate it while I'm watching it on TV <laughs> because, um, because it's amusing. It's amusing to me yeah. the culture that and everybody's happy. Everybody is uh, it's so energetic. But yeah, but, but it Bollywood makes my is, legs uh, it makes my yeah. makes my legs hurt and my body hurt after a few seconds. There's just too Boy- much jumping. Right, right, right. No, Bollywood is um, a more like a dance form from the uh, movies Mm -hmm. and what I do is a totally classical dance form Mm -hmm. Um, and Bollywood draws a little bit from it in terms of um, movement or uh, how they express an eye gesture or whatever but it's a totally different dance form in terms of the content. So uh, I'm just curious, how did um, the Bollywood style for the movies begin? It had to evolve from somewhere. Did it take from the different classical styles, or is it kind of a fusion with Western influence? Yeah, and what years did it start showing up uh, movies? I don't know. So that's uh, Oh, you're not asking well, me. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, dance and music is an integral part of the Indian, um, how to say that, even the uh, living style of um, everyday life. So music and dance is part of, I, I grew up with music and dance. And in those days when it started out, I'm talking like uh, 1940s or 50s or even 70s, when music and dance was part of uh, the movies, most of the time the classical teachers would be asked to choreograph some of the dance in the movies. And it remained classical for a way long time until some Western influence creeped in and uh, all the jazzy music Um, started to be introduced and people started loving this uh, fast-paced fusion music. And so to choreograph for that, people introduced a lot of moves that are not classical. And so you can probably say, I I can't have a date, um, put my finger on a date, but I can tell you, but by by 70s, 1970s and from now, it has evolved into a 
uh, art form just by itself. So Bollywood itself means some art form which didn't exist long time back when I was growing up. But today Bollywood itself stands would stands by itself as a dance form or mm -hmm. uh, something yeah, which people uh, yeah genre exactly. So do you, do you ever dabble in Bollywood or are you strictly no, traditional? No, no, I yeah, I don't. So Bollywood <laughs> is somewhat like a square dancing or you know social dancing, whereas Bharatanatyam is somewhere on the spectrum like ballet would be. Got it. Yeah, and probably with a diverse history too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because mm -hmm. I mean, there's like Danish ballet, there's British ballet, and then well, you know, the French they kind of like classified all the terms and the different types of moves. So mm -hmm. so wow. Yeah. Within yeah. Bharatanatyam, there's a number of different styles, um, and there's like a whole there's books on technique, and even you know, um, DJ Alexicon, you were mentioning the eye movements. You'd be surprised, but there's like an entire um, there's an entire set of eye gestures that are defined about how your eye moves and how fast it really? moves. And yeah, there's like specific technique even for that. I remember oh, watching performances, and I get confused. Should I watch the eyes or should I watch? <laughs> Teeth, or should I watch the whole body? And I, I'm, I'm like, which one should I focus on? You got, you got to watch it all, everything. <laughs> I and personally, this, I personally uh, the, watch the feet and then I move up. But <laughs> and all this, all this uh, rules and regulation as to how to dance was written in a dance treatise that was called Bharata's Natya Shastra, which means the scripture of dance way back in 2000 BC, and we still live up to uh, live up according to those rules. Like a user manual. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you have to memorize it. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that's like in China, that's like the Shang dynasty. That's like the second dynasty ever. And the first one they believed didn't exist. The Sha dynasty in China, they thought was a myth. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, that's like almost not that long after the great flood happened. Mm -hmm. That's pretty old. <laughs> I'm just, okay, I'm just looking yeah. at the world timeline. So the Great Flood. Are you talking about biblical times? Yes, like the the um, you know, the post-Diluvian era. Uh, that is that is very way way back. This is yeah. like this is like you know. Um, That's super throwback. Yeah, and it's been handed down from a teacher to a student, from a teacher to a student, and that's how it has been handed down to us. Wow. Talk about um. Well, I mean, is is, is there like a, a special um induction you have to do? Uh, like, it, it, do you have to pledge yourself to a guru or a, like a master, or do you do you just enter a school? You can enter a school that you like, and the teacher initiates you into the dance art form, and they pretty much take you a very young, like when you're five or six years old, and then when you are ready uh, and you have done your training for a considerable number of years and the teacher thinks you're ready to give a solo performance for about uh, an hour or two then he sets up a nice auspicious date and presents you as a student worthy of a stage performance for two hours oh. and that is called an arangetrum that means ascending the stage wow uh, so there is a, a solid rite of passage exactly formal uh, dance debut that is done i usually conduct at least one or two a year for some of my students who have been with me for seven, eight years and are ready to be um, showcased as a student who's uh, on a professional level. Okay. Now for Sharia, when did this happen? I think when I did term when I was between uh, ninth and 10th grade or between eighth and ninth grade. And it was a great experience. It's like, um, it's like a marathon. You train for a really long time and it, allows you to reflect about yourself and really build on some of your personal characteristics as well as like the stamina and other more dance related things. So it's a really nice experience and you learn a lot about yourself as well as the art form. At that point, when you hit that stage, you're kindly, uh, you're, you're, I think, are you basically going by instinct and you kind of know the, the steps and it's just flowing? So, I mean, all of the dances are choreographed. Um, so you learn the choreography over time. But for more of the storytelling aspects, there is a little bit of flexibility. I practice those things become second nature. Well, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, when we come back, DJ Lexicon is going to do the events corner. And uh, Johnny Wu with Ghost Host is going to play a couple tunes for you.
WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans community, culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. OCA's Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to, to you. Me. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Yin Tang, also known as DJ Bossy Lady. On air from Chicago, returning is DJ Alexicon. This is DJ Alexicon from the Windy City. Is that, was that wind? Yeah. <laughs> and on air with us is Sujata and Shriya, and they've been telling us about Bharata Natyam dance. Did I say that right? Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and before we uh, go back to interviewing them, DJ Lexicon, will you tell us about the upcoming events? Absolutely, Yin. DJ Bossy Lady. There there's you go. A of, uh, there's a lot of bossy events going on, and that would be happening in the future. Um, let me begin with the... Uh... <laughs> Wait, bossy events? Yeah, bossy events. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? That means events that you really need to pay attention to because they're bossy events. Okay, I thought you were referencing me. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to all of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. It's a six-hour drive. Yes. But uh, <laughs> the first that I noticed is the uh, ninth annual summit on the state of the international community in Northeast Ohio. This will be happening the day after t you file your taxes on April 16 on Saturday at 8.30 a.m. That's early. At uh, Tri-C at the Metropolitan Campus in downtown. That's 24, I'm sorry, it's 2415 Woodland. Correct. That's where 2415 Woodland at Tricy in downtown by, I think it's 30th uh, Street. And, and you, you uh, do have to register for this. Oh, you do? Mm -hmm. There is a link. Um, it's at uh, iccwind.org, and you should be able to find it. Uh, the website, again, is www.icc-win.org. Correct. And our next event, if you don't want to wake up that early, is uh, a free Tai Chi class that's going to happen uh, the day after this uh, event. It's uh, on April 17th at 3.30 p.m. That's a Sunday at the Aiken Town Center in Cleveland, of course. Mm -hmm. and it's, a, it's a free event. Um, I think you could just show up, just right? Just show up, yep. And after you do Tai Chi, you can do groceries, shopping at the groceries, <laughs> eat at the Vietnamese restaurant beside you. Or you could swing down to Tower... Uh, oh, never mind. Not Tower City. I was thinking yeah, about something It's kind else. of far. Yes. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can eat uh, Vietnamese or uh, Korean at the second floor at Miga, or you can dance at uh, Viva Dance Club, and uh, well, or you can go to... Club. It's a dance studio for salsa. You have to sign up for lessons to dance there. There you go. So you might, many options in that area. You might catch uh, Yun or DJ Bossy Lady practicing her aerial silks. She usually goes on Sundays. Don't go underneath because she might Don't. fall. She I might, might fall. <laughs> I'm, I'm still yes, a yes. Yeah. So there's an indie club meeting on April 17th. And uh, where will it be? It'll be at Liwa from 6.30 to oh, 9. Oh, it's at Liwa. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, you want to tell them about the uh, International Hall of Fame event on April 26th? Oh, before that, uh, Indie Club, uh, everybody's invited if you want to watch independent <laughs> films and budding directors and music videos of really a lot of creative artists in the area. Who knows, DJ, you might see one of my creations there. DJ Lexicon, I just mentioned Indie Club. <laughs> I know, I know, in addition, to what, in addition to what you're saying. Okay, okay. Because some people said, oh, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm just encouraging everybody to attend it and see what creative people are doing and what kind of work they're coming up with. Gotcha. And yeah, for the uh, inter- uh, what's that that you mentioned earlier? International Hall of Fame. It's on April 26th from 6.30 to 9 o'clock p.m. Although I think it goes till 10. Um, it starts at 6.30 and there's um, a beverage hour in the, in, in the beginning. And what it is, is any, uh, foods or of divorce? Yes, you do have to purchase the ticket. Now, clevelandpeople.com, you can go to clevelandpeople.com to purchase tickets. What they do is they recognize senior members of the international community who had a long-standing contribution to our community and its diversity. All right, and uh, last but not the least is this little event called the Cleveland Asian Festival on May 21st to 22nd, and it will be the seventh iteration, right? I don't think I've ever heard of this event, DJ Lexicon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I see a, uh, I heard about it over the past years, and there was this uh, DJ Lexicon that was used to be in one of those stages. Yeah, wasn't it voted like the best uh, festival in Cleveland on like coolcleveland.com or something like that? Yes, I think so. And it's also yeah. voted the best growing festival. Yeah, and I heard they got over 45,000 people. And wow! Be, uh, yeah, fifty thousand this year. It should surpass fifty thousand. Well, I hope they don't because the uh, security and the insurance will go up. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we need to expand our footprint, and we've been unable to do that. Oh, and you call it little? Yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. Okay. We, we try to aim big. Yes, and, uh, that's what my favorite part. The favorite part there is the food stand, the food court in the parking area of Lee Wong. Yes, there it's is tough. a food court. There are over 100 vendors. There are two stages packed full of performances. And DJ and Alexicon and I were really joking when we said we've never heard of it before. Um, we've both been a very integral part, and so has Sujanta and her daughter, Shreya. Uh, they perform every year. And believe me, it is a treat to see them perform. Oh, they perform every year? Well, it's so yeah. fun. <laughs> so, does that mean that I was there when they were performing yeah, in the past? Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're not even here. They would have been on your Yeah. Stage. I think I've missed Asian Festival only one year, I think. I performed like five times or six times, I think. Yeah. Do they perform at a big stage? Yeah, they, they uh, no, they, um. The horseshoe this stage. The stage. Yeah, they've been on the race stage. Oh, no wonder, because I'm always at the other stage. That's why I keep missing it. Yes. Ian, can I add one more event that is going to be coming up, a very interesting event? Absolutely. Uh, uh, It's called Sanchari, Dances of India, and it's going to be at the Cleveland Museum of Art, and this is in connection with the Parade the Circle, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be on May 25th, Wednesday evening, between 6.30 and 8.30 at the Gartner Auditorium. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a free event, and we are getting two artists called Sanjib Bhattacharya and Sashadar Acharya. Both are uh, dancers coming from India. One is a artist who makes masks, and the other is a dancer himself, and uh, myself, and another Kathak dancer called Antara Datta. Oh, I know. All, yeah. yeah. So we are all going to. Um, collaborate and bring a very beautiful dance um, evening uh, called Sanchari, which means to travel, which Mm -hmm. takes us across the rich and diverse styles of dance in India. And it's going to be providing a visual and musical encounter that's connecting the many cultures and traditions of Indian dancing. It's a free event from 6.30 to 8.30, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be awesome because you're going to see uh, the beautiful art of um, a dance form called Chow, which not uh, which many people wouldn't have seen here. They dance with a mask on their face. Oh, okay. It's pretty awesome. I think I the first time I saw you perform was at an event at the Cleveland Museum of Art. Right. It was, right. A, it was so many years ago. It was beautiful. <laughs> I, right, right. I was like, it was wonderful. <laughs> right, I was right, totally right. blown away. 
But I um, think it was when where the Gartner opened, reopened again.
Yeah, I know. My husband works for um, Tata Consultancy Services in, based mm-hmm. in the U.S., and mm-hmm. all of his uh, immediate coworkers are Indian American, and oh. their Diwali celebrations every year. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite one is Holi, because I mm-hmm. like color, and I don't mind mm-hmm. getting covered in, in, in sand. Anymore, oh, so. <laughs> okay. Diwali is like the Christmas yeah. for us. Yeah. So I've actually... It's very amusing. I stay away from it. <laughs> I like holy. I remember when Ashin was on, he was telling us a story about how he frightened his nephew when he returned home from holy because he was covered and his nephew didn't recognize him. I like that story. But but my question is, um, what? And on April thirteenth, are they celebrating the coming of spring, or are they are they celebrating the leaving of winter? Um, well, uh, holy just um, happened, so uh, celebration of spring is done. Mm-hmm. Um, April 13th happens to be the new year for people in southern part of India. Okay. All right. I learned a lot today. And, um, you know, this is actually very interesting. You mentioned Antara, and she was on our radio show a couple of weeks ago. We interviewed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also does a very traditional form of dance. And then next week we have a professor from Missouri on air. And mm-hmm. she is descendant of, um, the, of the Tamil people. And mm-hmm. that actually will be the focus of the conversation. So I'm hoping to learn a lot. Um, wow. Is there anything you can tell me a little bit so I can ask her about uh, her ethnicity? Um, uh, can you repeat the name or uh, what her uh, language, something you mentioned? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I, d- I don't know her too well. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, but we are going to be interviewing her about the, her um, Tam- Tamil ethnicity. Oh, mm-hmm. Tamil is one of the um, oldest languages. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it is a challenging um, language to learn. And uh, I, I can tell you more about it. It's got uh, the number of alphabets that it has and the... Uh, even the, um, what do you call the script, is pretty challenging to learn. But it's a very beautiful um, language and a uh, lot of, uh, I mean, when we grew up, uh, we have learned uh, a lot of literature that are um, ancient and uh, there are a couple of epics in them that are also um, very much related to music and dance. And it's a very, very beautiful language and uh, that was the language that, patronized a lot of the uh, dance forms, especially Bharatanatyam. It was patronized by kings uh, of Tamil Nadu mm. um, based on this this language. Wow. Uh, so, I guess, Shreya, did you learn this, uh, this language? Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a child, I actually uh, learned to speak the language just by hearing my parents. But um, I also learned to read and write the language, which was very challenging process there. Um, the way that words are constructed, it's, it's a lot more phonetic than English. And the consonants have their own scripts, and there's um, a separate sep- set of scripts for the vowels. And the way that you make letters is to combine the shapes of both of these uh, letters. And so it's a very interesting process, and it's quite different from the English language. That's impressive that you've uh, narrowed it down technically. Is there a tense in the language, like past, future, present? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's lots of tenses. And as I mean, English is a very uh, strange language, right? It has a lot of abnormalities in terms of tenses and the way things are spelled and pronounced. Yeah, yeah, there's present future, perfect tense, present perfect future. Mm -hmm. And does it have uh, gender specific uh, references in the language? It does, it does. It's a Dravidian language and. It's one of the longest surviving classical language of the of the world, actually. Oh my goodness! Yes, mm-hmm. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> Indian culture is what five thousand years old, right? Uh, um, or more I, than uh, that. More than that, and uh, one uh, one small interesting fact that I want to add about the languages, whether it is in any of the Indian languages, I'm sure you can not have a spelling bee. because what we speak is what we write and what we write is what you hear so I don't I will not spell uh, photography and spell it with an Mm F-O-T-O so it's very unique um, I mean in that way it is very loyal to 
uh, the audio and the script. So, for example, the word catamaran, which is, you know, the boat that we commonly refer to is actually a Tamil word. It has Tamil origins. And the way you spell that word is literally katamaran. So, katamaran. Actually, if you um, want to know the meaning between, behind it is katamaran. That means wood um, hinged together to form a boat. So, maram, maram is wood and katu means to tie them together. So, so that makes a boat. Okay, wow. Um, and this is all phonetic. You could be spelled different ways? No. It, no? Uh, it cannot be spelled in different. It can be spelled only one way in Tamil. Okay. Wow. So it's kind of, I'm thinking it's kind of like Chinese characters where you have different radicals that mean different things and you put them together and they have a different meaning? What? Okay, I guess I would have to see this visually. <laughs> it's a very so, so no, in, interesting. In essence, right? There's a letter for the consonant. So let's take the consonant S, right? Mm -hmm. And then you would have a letter for the vowel. So let's say the vowel is E. Mm -hmm. And so by combining the letter S and E to form a new letter, you actually form the letter that is that sounds like say or stop. Okay. Oh wait, that's that's different. Yeah, it's com yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, because so no analogies. There's there's like a consonant letter and there's a uh, a vowel letter and then you combine them to create another letter. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Oh and so God. once you have these letters that have both a consonant and vowel component, um, spelling a word is essentially just saying the sounds of the word. Oh, wow. wow, that is that is. Uh, it's like an alien language. Yeah. <laughs> well, technically, it's it's the original one of the original languages. So, right. uh, what we're we saying now? An alien. Yeah. We don't know. It. We well, have came perhaps, from an alien. Perhaps we're all from Mars. I don't know. That's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I do love languages. Wow, we could spend hours talking. About this. I would mm -hmm. In a way, maybe at a later date, later in the year, we can ask you to come back and talk specifically about the language. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. We should have different episodes about different languages and its evolution so that people will. That. That, that's, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we are nearing the top of our hour, and mm -hmm. wow, there's so much more. You guys will have to come back. There's so much more to talk about. Uh, we do. We would like to ask you the question we ask all of our guests. Now, Correct. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is exciting. Yes. <laughs> this is our favorite question because we love to eat so much. Go ahead, DJ. You can ask. All right, the question of the night is, it's for Sujata mm -hmm. and Shriya, uh, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> is, what is your favorite dish, doesn't have to be Indian or anything, and would you cook it for us? Aha. Oh, wow. Yes, I can cook it for you, my favorite dish. Uh, favorite dish is samosa. Like the potato dumpling samosa? Exactly. exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. We can, we, we're there. <laughs> How do well, you cook it, uh, Sujata? Do you cook it crispy or a little bit uh, not on the crispy side? Uh, it all depends on that day. <laughs> and, and how much oil I can uh, afford. Oh, I think if you are mad, it will be crispy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can make it as, but crispy is better because it tastes better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the crunch when I bite into it. I remember one year there was a samosa eating contest at the Cleveland Asian Festival. I think the trickiest part is there's so much potato in there, and unless you're drinking water, it's hard to eat quickly, which is fine because you're supposed to savor it. I mean, with all the different sauces with the chutneys, oh, mm -hmm. I'm going to go to Jaipur Junction later. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate you. <laughs> and, you know, they have one in Hudson, but I like the one in um, – uh, near Broadview Heights. Is it in Broadview Heights? I don't know. Where no, it's, it's on it's on Spray, Sprague Road uh, near uh, Ridge and Sprague. Yeah, I like that one. They both taste really good, but I like that one just a little bit better. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. okay. so, what about you, Shreya? What's your favorite Asian dish? And will you cook it for us? Yeah. Uh, my favorite Asian dish is dosas, and sure, I'll cook them for you. Dosas? Mm -hmm. They're yeah. like, they're sort of like pancakes that are, that aren't sweet. Um, they're a little bit like crepes, actually. Oh, okay. I was like, with a variety of side dishes. Ooh, a 
Okay, she's gonna she's gonna have to come back and visit us from Boston and cook for us. <laughs> I, I personally I really like Rasmali and it's really good. I we can go to Boston and record there. We could there's seafood there too. We could yeah, we could record. We'll make a we are very podcast. mobile and flexible. We'll see if we can get a sponsor to fly us out of Boston DJ Flexicon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Well thank you so much, Shoot Jasmine. Thank you for coming on air and uh, talking with us and mm-hmm. DJ Alexicon. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. And it was uh, very nice to share my thoughts about my dance and uh, food, whatever. Absolutely. Maybe we can have you back on around Diwali and we can talk more about language at that time. Sure. Uh, It would be my pleasure to join you. Absolutely. And DJ Lexicon, thank you for tuning in from Chicago. And to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to us. And we'll see you next week. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. Bye.